Hi, and thank you for joining us on Real Estate for Millennials. My name is Sarah Shamaradian, AKA Millennial Realtor LA. And today we'll be talking about the loan process after escrow has opened. We have Chris Eskandarian here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, thanks for having me. So um, I'm with House America Financial. Uh, once again, Chris Eskandarian. Uh, we are a direct lender. Uh, been in the business for over eight years now. Um, we do residential home loans, uh, financing of it. Um, in 2018, I was ranked top 1% in all of America. Awesome. Uh, 2019 numbers aren't out yet, so uh, I, sh I should be there. We'll know in a few we'll months. We'll see. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm here to kind of just share with you guys on how the process goes. Uh, I myself, just like you, deal with a lot of first-time home buyers. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of explain and, and kind of clarify some questions uh, that, that we any of our yeah, viewers would have out there. Yeah, and we have worked on a deal together before, and Absolutely. that was a first-time home buyer also. That was, yes. So that and you did amazing. You were so clear with them, and they had so many questions, and they, you know, they weren't afraid to ask you because you were so open and like. You Absolutely, know, I think it's I think it's teamwork. You know, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's both of us. We educate them well. They were happy. They were satisfied. They were. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah. Thanks again for being here. So Absolutely. let's get started. Again, I just want to explain that we already had the pre-approval process. So if you haven't seen that episode, go ahead and take a look. And this is more about this episode will be more about after escrow opens, what happens with the loan process and kind of the more in-depth questions I get about the loan okay. itself and how to obtain that loan. Of course. So let's go ahead and start with what is the loan process after escrow opens? Yeah, so once escrow is open, meaning uh, offer has been officially accepted, uh, we reach out to the clients, congratulate them, ask for updated documents, whether it's W-2s, pay stubs, tax returns, bank statements, whatever it is, we ask for those documents. Um, once those documents are in, uh, we send out initial loan disclosures kind of breaks down the terms of the loan. So it's obviously, you know, the rate and the terms is something that we start discussing with the clients because you're normally able to lock the rate once offer is accepted. Um, so we send out loan disclosures once they're back, once the, you know, the documents that we requested are in, we send the loan to processing and underwriting. After the loan is underwritten, uh, loan is approved, uh, you know, we get the loan to docs, we get loan docs, loan docs are signed, and that's just kind of pretty much the whole process we're going to break this quick, down. Yeah, quick synopsis. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to break this down, but that's definitely the outline of yes, how the process how works. works. So let's go ahead and talk about the underwriter. This is a really important part of the loan process. They're really the people that have the last say. Mm -hmm. So who is the underwriter and how does that process work? All right, so an underwriter, um, like for us, for instance, is somebody in our office. So we have about three underwriters in our office. Underwriter is a person who makes the final call on the loan. Uh, they normally go off of the guidelines that are set by investors. So they review income, credit, and assets. Based on what the guidelines require, they have to be able to meet those guidelines. And if for some reason they don't, the underwriter will condition for something or potentially decline the loan, which you know, we never want to see. Right. So what is the difference between getting the pre-approval mm -hmm. and the underwriter approving? Loan approval, yeah. The loan approval. So good, what is good that? Question. That's a good question. So the pre-approval is when... Documents are submitted to someone like myself, the loan officer. Mm -hmm. I review everything. I issue the pre-approval. Um, I should be doing a thorough job, which I do, because once the loan is in underwriting, there, there's got to be nothing that can actually decline that loan. So the underwriter is pretty much doing what the loan officer does, but a little bit more in-depth. So they analyze the credit report. They look at the income. If the loan officer missed something and the underwriter catches it, 
you may be too late in the game at that point because now you're you're waiting to remove contingencies and you're you're in mm-hmm. escrow. So it's it's the loan officer's job to do that thorough pre-approval to make sure nothing is missed and being caught down the line. So the underwriter is pretty much double checking the work of the loan right. officer. Okay. But it's you know not. When documents are submitted to us for the pre-approval, we don't submit it to underwriting. We review it. Yeah. It's our job to do the pre-approval. So we have to make sure we're right. thorough. I just want to actually say a quick uh, example. We were we opened escrow and the underwriter the, all the docs went to underwriter and the underwriter actually caught something on the RPA that didn't really add up to the loan the loan pre-approval. Yes. It wasn't a big problem at all. It was not like, it was literally a box checked. Correct. Investments. She said, yeah, Investment. she was like, literally just go uncheck that box and yeah. resubmit it. And mm-hmm. it was no problem whatsoever. It was actually about if the o- owner was going to occupy the pro- property or not, which is another thing maybe we should touch on. Sure. That um, the owner occupied is a different rate than not owner, than Correct. an investment property. Correct. And that RPA had the box checked for not owner occupied and it was owner occupied so she just told me go ahead uncheck that box resubmit it because my investor won't be happy if they saw that on the RPA we were giving them a different rate that's literally what happens so the pre-approval you get that right you get the letter of pre-approval you get your offer accepted and then the loan officer go ahead and gets all the information that they need they need like detailed stuff they they then take all that information submit it to the underwriter who who then rechecks everything, double checks everything, make sure everything makes sense, make sure their investors are gonna be happy. And then that's when they approve it, right? So once they approve it, you can then go ahead and release your contingency. Now, the contingency dates are really important. A loan contingency date is something that is written on your RPA and is agreed upon. A standard loan contingency, which is already on the RPA, is 17 days, 17 correct? Days, correct, yep. In LA, mm-hmm. to be more competitive, we have started putting 14 days, so yeah. two weeks. No issue. Yeah, I mean, in this market, you gotta get attractive, you gotta be aggressive, yeah. you gotta be creative. So, I mean, my offers are going in at 10 days. 10 days, I know, I just did one at 10 days. So with LA, there's a, a lot of competition as we all know. So with the loan contingency, we've been cutting it down lower and lower. That is approved by your loan officer. You never want to put any number other than 17 days unless it's approved by your loan officer, Correct. which your realtor should be doing should be having communication with your loan officer and getting that approved. Making sure that's making okay. sure that's okay, making Correct. sure they have the right information for that or are ready for that and their underwriter exactly. isn't ha, doesn't have a pile up to here and so forth. So Correct. that's really important to understand. So we talked about underwriter and the contingencies. Now let's go ahead and talk about um, the in, the owner occupied. Okay. So um, owner occupied uh, compared to investment properties per se. Uh, owner-occupied is when you're planning on living in there, investment when you're planning on renting it out. Mm-hmm. The interest rates, the down payments differ on an owner-occupied uh, than as on an investment. Uh, owner-occupied, you're looking at better interest rates. Uh, as far as a down payment, you can go as low as 5% down. Uh, whereas on an investment, the rates are higher. Um, and then as far as a down payment, you're looking at at least 20, 25% down. You know, mm-hmm. You're typically not able to put less than that. There are ways of putting 15% down, but the rates way too high. too high, there's mortgage insurance. It's not something that I even pitch to clients, to be honest with you. Nobody's gonna take that right. offer. 
Um, so that's the main difference mm -hmm. between the owner-occupied and investment. And, and to, your, to your point about checking that box in the RPA, normally when you check that box, you're indicating that it's going to be purchased for uh, investment purposes. Investment. Um, so when it's not checked, it's for owner-occupied. So when, I mean, if you're submitting a loan to underwriting as an owner-occupied, you got to make sure that box is not checked. Because if it is, the underwriter is going to catch that and they're going to want you to make that change. Buyer and seller have to initial and sign and agree that the buyer who's purchasing it is buying it as an owner occupied, not an investment. Which and is no, it's fine. Like it's not that it's it it's sounds worse deal. than it is. Yeah, it's not a big deal at all. I Correct. did it in two minutes. It wasn't an issue. Nobody Correct. had an issue with it. Uh, the seller surely doesn't have an issue with um, you know agreeing to that. Yeah, it doesn't. But just the fact that they both have to sign. I mean, right. I, I literally had one a week ago. Yeah, it happens so all it, the time. It happens. Yeah. it's really not a big deal. Okay. So that's the main difference between. Uh, yeah. Owner-occupied owner and investment. investment. Yes. So let's go ahead and talk about loan docs because you just mentioned it about yes. loan docs. So once the underwriter has approved, okay. then we have loan docs, correct? Correct. F funding and loan docs. Let's talk about that. So once the loan is approved, uh, after we get the closing disclosure out, the CD, uh, you guys may have heard of this if you've purchased before. If not, don't worry. It's really not that big of a deal. Uh, three days uh, after the CD is signed, meaning after you've agreed to like the terms, the figures and stuff, and you've kind of reviewed preliminary figures prior to the final loan docs, um, you, you're able to sign the final docs. So three days after the CD, you're able to sign the final loan docs. Final loan docs and escrow documents are all signed at once, either at your house where a notary is sent out to you or at, you know, at, our, at our office or at the mortgage company. Uh, escrow office, wherever. There's a notary that signs the documents with you. This is not something that you can e-sign mm -hmm. uh, or you know just it sign and send person, back. It's yeah. got to be in, yeah, in person with the notary. They do the whole thumb thing and all that good stuff. Um, so so yeah, they pretty much uh, you know sign docs in person. Docs go back to escrow, go back to the lender, and then we fund the loan. Typically, the loan funds a day after loan docs are signed, as long as the funds have been wired to escrow the day prior and is it's already hit escrow prior to our funding because you know we got to make sure those funds have hit escrow prior to us funding the loan and this is a very good day for us when yes. loans are funded we are celebrating yes. where that's like you know the almost the end you can see the Pretty light much. at the end of the tunnel it's really the end of yes. your escrow period so once you've um once you've funded the loans you know we're saying congratulations everyone's yep. congratulating each other because that's really it what happens after that is with escrow and um the, it's just like minor stuff you know like getting it recorded and all title and we've already talked about that so getting the loan funded is like a really big day yeah once you get that call loan is funded you're pretty much done yeah you're pretty um, much done I mean, shouldn't be saying this, but you know, during the escrow process, you're not allowed to, you know, charge your credit cards mm -hmm. and, and lease a car, co-sign with anybody on anything. But after your loan funds, you're kind of able to do those things. Yeah, you're, you're like to, free now. You're yeah, you're free, uh, and it normally records the following day, mm -hmm. right? Escrow normally records, records. The, the next day, so you fund, and the next day it records, assuming it's a business day and not a weekend. Yeah. Yeah, you never want it to fund on a Friday because then you have to wait till Monday. You have to wait till fun day and then you got to pay the interest over the weekend. Yeah. So yeah, you don't want to fund on a Friday, correct? Yeah, yeah we've always funded on Thursdays or Mondays. Yep. Always a thing. Those are, Thursdays are probably one of the better days. Yeah. Because then Friday you get the keys and then you got the weekend. Yeah, that's so. true. Uh, let's talk more about details about and advice for getting the loan and how to go about that because I get a lot of questions and I sometimes don't even know how to answer them because I am not a lender. I'm a realtor. So let's talk about if it's if it's better to have one name on the loan or is it better to have 
every family member on the loan? How does that work? Yeah, so that's a good question. So as long as whoever is getting on the loan helps qualify, yeah, put them on the loan. I mean, if, if, if the person doesn't have good credit scores, doesn't have income, there's no purpose of you having them on the loan. Um, I mean, you can just have them on the title, right? You could have as I many people see, yeah. on the title. So having one person on the loan or 10 people, if that other nine people are not helping you, there's no point of having that extra nine people on the loan. How does co-signing work? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much co-signing. So um, there'll be a borrower and then a co-signer. Both people would be on the loan and they both, mm -hmm. there's no like somebody has more rights than the other. It's pretty much like 50-50, they're both on the loan. So you know, if you were to buy a house and you wanted to have one of your family members co-sign for you, they would pretty much get on the loan. Like that loan that you're applying for is gonna be on their name too. So if they were in the future planning on buying mm -hmm. something or doing something, this loan is gonna be under their name. So they're pretty much co-signing. So they're this, taking on the responsibility. This liability. happens a lot with kids, or not, well, yeah. parents, parents and, and children. children. Yes. And um, yes. you know, with especially with our millennial generation not being able to afford homes by themselves, uh, it's very common that a parent would come in Co and co-sign. Co yeah, for their, for their child, yeah. We see that a lot, we see vice versa where you know, a child is buying for the parents because the parents are too the old. Yeah. Uh, so we're seeing that a lot more nowadays. You know, younger people, they want to help their parents out, so they, they help co-sign or, you know, they buy for their parents. Mm -hmm. uh, so vice versa, that's totally fine, as long as they qualify, right? So, you know, you got to take their income, take their expenses, take their debt, and make sure they qualify. And that's something that, that's, that's where we come into play. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, that's stuff that you get over to us. As far as the documents, we review it and we tell you whether you're Good or not. Right. Co-signing or co not co-signing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And let's talk about married couples because I get this question asked all the time about married couples. Is it better to have a joint account, separate accounts? Does it matter? Do they look at both accounts? Do they look at like, you know, the funds and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff? So um, there's no better or worse as to, you know, joint account or just an account with one person on there. Um, all we look at is to see if the funds have been seasoned. Uh, we don't look at all your accounts, but just the account that we're using for the purchase. So if you've got 50,000 in one of your accounts and you've got 5,000 in the other and you don't plan on using the other 5,000, the account with 5,000 in there, then we're just gonna take the account with 50,000. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not gonna provide to when the you underwriter. When you take, you mean look into. Look into, correct. Yeah. To check for any large deposits and so on and so forth to make sure those funds are okay to be used for the purchase transaction. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. It so, makes sense to me. I'm hoping it makes, makes sense. sense for them. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, the funds got to be seasoned in your account for at least a month. Mm -hmm. Most programs require at least one month. Some programs require two months of seasoning. If you have like a $30,000 cash deposit, pretty likely we're not going to be able to use those funds. Right. Meaning Has it's, to, it's, it's yeah. not a decline. We're not going to decline your loan. But if you have 50,000 in your account and 30,000 of it was just put in your account as cash, we're gonna use the 20,000. The, the other 30,000, we're not gonna be able to utilize. Right. So you've gotta get a gift from someone or we gotta okay. figure out a- Yeah, this yeah, is what gift. I wanna talk about, yes. gifts. Yes. Because again, as I just mentioned, uh, young millennials, first time home buyers, yes. they are getting money from their parents Correct. to pay the down payment. Okay. Not all, but a lot of them are. We see it all the time. And it's okay that you're doing that. Yeah, it's totally fine. Don't be like ashamed or embarrassed. Like everybody is doing it, especially in Los Angeles because house prices are so high. Correct. And you know, there's not that much um, 
There's inventory not that much and inventory. There's also, you as a person don't have as much cash flow as you know your parents did at our age. So a lot of the time, parents are paying or grandparents are paying the down payment or some of the down payment. They're gifting Contributing, it. yeah, of course. How absolutely. does that work? What is the best way to go about it? Okay. And how can they avoid any problems like what you're saying right now about the um, large deposits? So yeah, I mean, the, the gift can be either transferred to your bank account from the donor. So let's just say your parents gifting you. Your parents can transfer the money via a check or a wire transfer to your account, um, or they can just transfer it directly to escrow. But whoever the money is coming from, it's got to be a family relative. It can't be a friend, right? It can't be just like a stranger. Mm -hmm. I mean, the gift has got to be a legitimate family member. We ask for a gift letter to be completed. Oh, so cool. we okay, as yeah, we as a as a mortgage company, we send out a letter. It's already kind of like put together, and all you got to do is just fill in the blanks. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you just got to fill it out, um, and it's signed by both the person who's receiving the funds and the donor, um, and that's what pretty much makes it executed. You know, we submit that to the underwriter with proof that the money was transferred from the parents to their account, that, you know, that whole kind of like the process of it. Mm -hmm. um, and, or if they're going to be transferring it to escrow, then, you know, the wire confirmation receipts, well, wire confirmation receipts we're going to ask for either way. So it's pretty much after you wire the funds, you get like a confirmation receipt. It's like a big full page. So you, you give that to your loan officer and right. that way all the details of the transaction are on there as to you know, where the money was sent to, okay. from what account it was sent from, for what amount, and so on so and so forth. So they shouldn't be transferring money before speaking to a lender. Absolutely, and, don't okay. move money around. Don't move, don't money, move money around. around. If you're trying to buy a house, talk to a lender first. Correct. If your parents are gonna gift your mo the money, it's fine if they do, but make sure that you're, you're following the guidelines of your lender. Uh and I think that it's a very common thing that people are doing now, so it's really important to know this, these details. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. I think we're hitting up on some very I good, think so too. very good points. <laughs> I get asked these questions daily, so Absolutely. it's really important to know all Likewise. this stuff. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the down payment. Okay. How much do you actually need to buy your first home? Um, I know that this this percent has gone up and down throughout the years, mm -hmm. but now it's like kind of we don't really know the answer yeah. to this question. I mean, there's all sorts of programs out there. Um, I mean, I've, I've heard of programs with zero down. Mm -hmm. um, I know they do have some crazy restrictions on it, overlays and stuff where it's not as easy to qualify for it. Um, typically, typically you're looking at least three, three and a half or five percent down. Uh, three or five percent down is a conventional loan and then three and a half percent down is an FHA loan. Um, I think that's just too much to get into as far as the details of each, right. of each one. I'm sorry. Right. Um, but I would say try, try to have at least five percent down that way your interest rate is not as bad and then your mortgage insurance factor is not as bad. But for a first time home buyer, on average, what we see is either 5% or 10% down. 10%, We're seeing yeah. that is a lot. People have been asking me like, where do people get all this 20% down? How do they have so much money? And I'm like, I, have, I think I've put like two or three you know, offers in at 20%, mm -hmm. usually now it's 10% or even lower. So don't worry too much about the down payment. I know cash flow is very hard. It's hard, you know, especially yeah. now. If you have money saved up 
and you think that you you can afford something or you're ready to buy a house, talk to a lender. Yes. <laughs> Because they will tell you exactly what you can afford, what you can't afford, and how to get to point from point A to point B so that you can actually afford to buy a house and what you need to do and how much down payment you need and the even the dollar amount of what you need and how what you can do to get there. Correct. So um, I think it's so important to talk to a lender because you guys literally are like, okay, If you want to afford this house, you got to do this, 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 and this. And they're like, okay, check, check, check. Yeah, I mean, if, <laughs> if you tell us like pretty much what range you're looking at and how much down you have available, we can tell you what your payments would be. If you're okay with those payments, if those payments are mm -hmm. comfortable with you, then you're pretty much good to go. Yeah. But if you're looking at a house that's worth $900,000, but as far as payments go, you, you know, you're going to probably be okay with $500,000 you know, house payments, for instance. There's no point in you looking at that $900,000. Talk to a loan officer first, exactly. get educated. Know the differences between the payments at five hundred and nine hundred, and then go mm -hmm. out there and start house, yeah. house hunting and yeah. shopping. Uh, the loan officer can also always tell you can run numbers for you, mm -hmm. and they will tell you exactly how much your loan payment, um, sorry, your mortgage payments will be monthly, and they'll tell ask you as you just said. Are you okay with these monthly payments? Do you think you can afford these monthly payments? Okay, then you can afford to buy this house, this house, or this house. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yep. Really important stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. When the deal closes, are the buyers of that new house paying the lender the mortgage payments or are they paying the company? How does that work? Sure. So once the loan funds, depending on who your mortgage company is that you're working with, um, the first payment is probably made to the lender. And then after the first payment, when the loan is sold or transferred to an actual loan servicer, Payments are made to the servicer. They'll okay? bill. Yeah. So you'll, you'll, for with me, like you get an email uh, from me, uh, pretty much giving you details as to who the payment's going to be made to. And they'll mail you documents as to kind of like a package as to, you know, who your new servicer is. Mm -hmm. And payments are to start going to them. Typically nowadays, almost everybody has, you know, that whole auto pay kind of thing right, set up. Right. So, it, you know, it's very simple, very easy. Once you do that, you don't have to worry about mm -hmm. it. You know, it's on auto pay. You, know, you could apply more towards principal every month, which is something that I recommend you do if you're able to do so. Any additional amount that you apply, just an FYI, any additional amount that you apply towards your mortgage every month, say your mortgage payments are $2,300 and you want to apply $2,500. That additional $200 a month is applied directly to principal. They, they won't know what principal. So your principal <laughs> loan, so, so your loan amount. So your loan amount is $600,000. So your loan amount's gonna drop by an extra $200 every month. Does that make sense? In addition to what amount's being applied towards the principal, because with the mortgage, you're paying to the interest and the principal. There you go, okay, I think we need to explain that. Okay, so when you're paying a mortgage payment, mm -hmm. I, like I would know, I know this, but I know this because I'm in this job. Sure. When you're paying a mortgage payment, there amount, there's a certain amount that is going actually towards your house, and there's another amount that's going towards interest. Interest. Okay, Correct. and it sucks, but that's just how it works. A lot of it is going towards just interest and not actually paying off your house. The portion that is paying off your house is called the principal payment. What Chris is trying to say is that let's say you get, um, you worked overtime, you got a big paycheck that month and you're like, you know what? I want to put a lot of this towards my principal payment. I want to pay off my house as much as I can. You put an extra 200, 300, whatever you want, an extra thousand. You put that towards your principal payment. 
when you make that mortgage payment with that extra amount, they actually deduct your principal payment amount. Correct. Did I explain that okay? Yeah, you did. Wow. I mean, that was, that was pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm actually you could be a loan officer. Myself. <laughs> yeah. I should probably get you on board. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You're, good. You're great at what you do, actually. Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate your trust. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I just wanted to kind of touch on that. So, you know, there's an amount applied towards the principal and an amount applied towards interest. That's pretty much uh, kind of like the recap of it. Right. Um, and any, the, uh, anything in addition to that is applied to a principal reduction. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your loan amount starts going On the actual quicker. physical house. Correct. Okay. Correct. And so, yeah, so, do, so they start paying you the first month, second month or so, or going so forward, going yeah. forward would exactly. be paid towards a company that has bought their loan. If you have any questions about, it's really complicated. If you have any questions about that, we don't want to go too deep right now reach out to me or Chris, we'll explain how that works. Absolutely. Um, but you won't actually be paying the lender directly throughout the whole time you have a mortgage. Correct. Now, you, you wouldn't be able to call me and say, hey, did you get my bill? Unfortunately or fortunately, we don't have the time to take or field calls yeah. as to whether you know, your payment has gone through. You know? So yeah. that's, that's something that's done through a loan servicer. So and the term yeah. servicer is like pretty much somebody who's receiving the payments. And don't forget your loans are usually 30 years. So Correct. your lender's not gonna be answering your phone call every month for 30 years to you make, know, sure, your make sure your payment went through. through. Yep. So that's why they have a servicer, they have a company that actually deals with that. Absolutely. Completely to themselves. And Correct. does the buyer continue to have contact with the lender after a deal Absolutely, has absolutely. I'm in very close contact with a lot of my clients, um, even after we fund the loan, even after we're done with it. Um, I try to get on a personal level with a lot of my clients, and I think that really helps. Um, so, I mean, I think that goes a long ways. You know, whether it's via email, postcards, a call, an email, a text, mm -hmm. I, I really try to be in touch with them because, you know, they have questions, and then there's a possibility of refinancing down the line, assuming rates drop. We'll talk about that on another yes, episode. <laughs> yes, another episode. But, you know, that's, that's another thing. So you want to make sure that you keep your clients in the loop mm -hmm. as to where the market is, where rates Things are. Things change. So educate them. Educate you know? them, Because if they yeah. can save on their payments, why wouldn't why you tell not? them? Yeah. You know? So as a first-time home buyer, know that the person that you're working with should have your best interest in letting you know when stuff like that of come course. up. Of course. Okay. Property tax. Yes. What is property tax? What, how much is property tax? Yep. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so property taxes, uh, in addition to your mortgage payment, your insurance payment every month, uh, there's property taxes. Uh, you can't run away from this. You gotta pay. Yeah, uh, Let, I, we're not trying to scare you, but yeah. this is definitely something that you have to budget for. Exactly. And that's why running the scenarios by us as to what you wanna buy for and how much down you wanna put and what the current rates are at the time so that you're, you know the payments are affordable, this is something that we will send to you. We'll you know, kind of break it down to make sure that you're aware of how much is going to be allocated towards property taxes. Property taxes could either be paid monthly or be paid twice a year, every six months. If you put less than 10% down, you're required to pay it monthly. Okay. Something a lot of people don't know. I didn't they, know that. Yeah, they kind of ask that question. It's not common that most people know, but less than 10% down, you're required to pay it monthly. So when you pay it monthly, it's being paid to your loan servicer. It's paid to the mortgage company. Right, and then every six months it gets dispersed from that escrow account. And it goes to who? It well, it goes to the county assessors. Okay. Yeah, um, so it it will pretty much go to the mortgage company. It'll sit there. The money accumulates there, and then it gets dispersed from oh, there. Oh, okay. So okay. every six months it gets paid out of there. Mm -hmm. um, so property taxes are normally in in LA County. Every county 
has a different uh, tax rate. In LA County, it's one and a quarter. That's the base rate that we use to calculate your monthly property tax. Mm -hmm. um, so like for instance, in, in, LA, in LA County, it's 1.25%. Of the purchase price. Of the price. purchase price, correct. So it's 500,000 purchase price times 1.25%. Whatever that big number is, you could divide it by 12 to see what your monthly is. Mm -hmm. Or you can just leave it that way and that's your annual. Divide it by two and that's what you would have to pay every six months. Uh, so that's pretty much property taxes. But every county has their kind of their mm -hmm. own. We, you know, we kind of concentrate more in LA County, so of that's course. off the top of my head. Ventura County, San Marino County, those are a couple other ones that you know we kind of um, are in as well with our clients. but. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much t property taxes. Yeah, if you don't live in the LA County, definitely talk to a lender that is local in your county um, and ask them about property tax. But it is generally, in I know most of California, is, it's around the same. It's easy to Google as well. Yeah, Google it. So if you Google yeah. like San Bruno County property taxes, you could pretty much just see all that stuff. It does vary, but it, it doesn't change that often. So that one and a quarter base rate has been there for quite some time. That's what we use as lenders. It's not to say that that one and a quarter is gonna be your property taxes going forward. It could be a little bit less than that. Okay, so it's not exactly 1.25%. You're playing it safe. Yeah, we always use 1.25 as the base rate, but it could be like 1.15, 1.10, mm -hmm. somewhere in that range. Makes sense, okay. Very important to know, definitely budget for that. Yes. Uh, so you know how much you're gonna be paying, not maybe monthly or every six months, which your lender would have already told you at the time of even pre-approval, they would be able to have that number for you. So it's definitely something to consider and be aware of. Do you have any advice for first-time home buyers? Yes, uh, my biggest thing is uh, don't co-sign with anybody on anything. Don't apply for new credit cards, don't ding your credit, no late payments. Um, you don't have a mortgage, so there's no, there's no mortgage lates that can arise. Mm -hmm. um, you know, don't lease a new car. Um, don't just deposit cash in your bank account. Talk to your loan officer. Let him advise you on what steps you should take mm -hmm. to get those funds seasoned. Don't quit your job. Don't quit your job in the middle of the escrow process or don't switch jobs without chatting mm -hmm. with your loan officer. Mm -hmm. All of these things that I just listed here are things that, I mean, there's probably more than this, but these are just a few of the things that can hinder you from qualifying. Mm -hmm. So gotta be very careful. It's better you ask, uh, even if you think that it might be a dumb question, uh, you know, just yeah. ask. Yeah. You know, ask, it doesn't hurt. It's a quick answer on our, on our part. You know, we should be able to get back to you fairly quickly. But that's pretty much it. My advice is to get a loan officer that you trust, that you like to talk to, yes. that is ready to answer all your questions because as a first time home buyer, it's very nerve wracking as it is for a lot of people and it should be because it's a huge purchase and you need to be with a loan you need to be working with a loan officer who's ready to answer your questions who's ready to pick up your phone calls who is happy to help and is giving thoughtful advice to you um, because it's so important the lender is such a big part of the real estate process i as a realtor work very closely closely with the lender and make sure that the process is going seamlessly yes and chris has We've worked on an offer together, uh, on a deal together, and it went seamlessly, and it was Absolutely. perfect. Absolutely. And we closed early, I think, on that one too. We did, we which normally happens, do. Yeah, which happens. So uh, yeah, this was amazing information. Thank you. Literally, I get asked this all the time, and I think I learned a lot too. So thank you so much for watching, and thank you for being here. Please follow me on Instagram at Millennial Realtor LA. And follow me at uh, Chris Eskandarian. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Thank you, bye. Bye.